So we weren't like out there trying to fight against them. It was just, we're gonna take a stand for who we are. Welcome back to Speaking Queerly. We're a podcast hosted by Kaleidoscope Youth Center. We're an LGBT youth center located in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I'm Mallory. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the civic engagement and advocacy manager here at KYC. And I'm Jen Kuhn. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the director of community partnerships and external relations at KYC. And I'm Erin Upchurch. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm the executive director of KYC. Awesome. Well, we wanted to kick things off just with a little caveat here. Um, I know that speaking queerly, we tend to be a little bit more upbeat, I like to think, uh, share some positive news, interview some cool folks. Um, but today's episode is actually going to be a little bit different than that. We're going to address some stuff that's been happening in our community, specifically um, at an event that was hosted by KYC that benefited KYC. So, if you're somebody who is listening to this because you're wanting something lighthearted, you're wanting a palate cleanser, um, I just want to give the, the uh, content wording that we are going to be talking about Nazis. We're going to be talking about some homophobic, transphobic legislation happening at the state house and kind of how everything is interconnected. So we will not be offended if you want to turn this off. Come back and find us for our next episode here in a couple weeks. Um, listen to something else. But we needed to address this. We need to just, you know, get this off our chest and get this out into the world. So um, yeah, so feel free to continue listening or log off and find something else. Um, so before we get started into all of that, I still want to keep up the tradition of having an optional add-on question. Mm -hmm. So I want to know, what is something that you've been doing in the past couple of days to bring you joy? I actually thought of uh, three things um, now. So this evening, I'm going to watch my nieces play volleyball. My sister, my baby sister is their coach and their mom. They're eight and 10. So that gives me joy. I've been watching some a lot of TV more than usual, um, things that I like. And I'm wearing really fun leopard print pants that our people can't see, but they bring me a lot of joy in my red shoes. Nice. I'm noticing now everything is yeah. very tied together. Thank I'm not you. at all surprised by that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And then for me, I guess it's similar in that, you know, I've been turning to a lot of media. I watch a lot of different Twitch streams, um, like like people that are actually comedians and stuff like that. And so just finding moments to laugh mm -hmm. um, in addition to, you know, this weekend, I I DJ. So this weekend, I'm going to probably um, invest some time into just getting lost in music and that kind of thing. So nice. I love that. I love that you're a DJ. I just every time I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we. If you've not been to a KYC event, uh, you don't know this, but Jen often is the DJ for yeah. our events, and we're very lucky resident, to have that resident, resident DJ. DJ. Yeah. Right, right. Other duties as a sign. Yeah, yeah. It's just a cool, a cool hobby that you're able to share with us, which yeah. is awesome. Um, yeah, I guess I'll echo the media thing. Uh, Ted Lasso, that new season. I've been living for those episodes as they come out. Ted Lasso, it's okay. so good. As as a coach, every day I'm like, was I like Ted Lasso? Was I like Ted Lasso today? <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? And the season's kind of taking it like a little bit of a queer turn, mm -hmm. not as like, mm -hmm. not as prominently as I'd want it to be, but it's definitely there. I mean, and I yeah. think the past couple episodes, um, it's there more, but no spoilers. I haven't watched. So, um, <laughs> so that's, wait. that's that. And I've also been reading a little bit more too, which I mean, I, I know I like to read, but I haven't been reading as much mm -hmm. lately. So I've been trying to be intentional about like putting my phone away at the end of the day and yes. reading. So, yep. so that's that. All right. Well, let's get in, let's get into the heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. So. I want you two to recap what happened on Saturday. <laughs> what did happen? Um, yeah, I suppose I can. So, you know, I, I think to just sort of back up a little bit. So I'm 
I, I do a lot of the fundraising for the organization. So I'm a very behind the scenes person and a lot. Um but but yeah, so so this was a an event that we did last year for the first time. Very successful. Everyone loved it. We always had people saying, Are you gonna do it again? Are you gonna do it again? And like, yeah, let's let's go. And land grant, they've been um partners of ours for several years mm-hmm. now in different ways, whether it was, you know, we we've received proceeds from like pride t-shirt sales. Um they've done um dollars from beer so like mm-hmm. things like that. So it's been nice to kind of up that um that partnership, I'll say it again, um, in that way. But, um, for, for this year, you know, it was like a no brainer. Yeah. Let's, let's plan it. Let's do it. And from very early conversations, just because we, the way the climate has been, the political climate has been, we've been aware of, you know, that there might need to be some security, you know, we might need to think about those things. So very early on, we already had it in mind that there was always the potential for like a protest or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, the whole, you know, planning process all the way up to the day of the event, everything was running very smooth. Um, we never heard anything negative about the event itself, you know, very cool. So it wasn't until like the, the day of the that event, morning. that morning, we got word of rumors that there could be the potential for protesters, which was how it kind of sounded. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, protesters, sure, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so we took we took our precautions with our own security team, which I'll let you kind of speak to mm-hmm. about that. Um, and, you know, we just went ahead and we just set up everything. You know, the show started as it always does. Very Everything was very normal. Hundreds of people showed mm-hmm. up. Everyone was having a good time. The performers, you know, were starting their numbers. And it was about halfway through mm-hmm. the show when suddenly we got word like, oh, no, there are literally nazis coming Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and and i think for me the minute i heard that i had this brief moment of panic just because thinking about crowd control and you know like like what could happen in that realm um and so immediately you know you were talking to our two Mm co-hosts um virginia west and nisa love and they immediately took charge of kind of the crowd and making sure people were mm-hmm. going to be focused on what we were doing inside land grant, you know, and, and around community. Um, but inevitably, you know, the literal Nazis showed up mm-hmm. um, in their little matching outfits. And um, yeah, I, it, it's, it still feels a little surreal because yeah. I in particular was positioned with the performers running the sound and like literally like 10 feet away was just this row of, neo-nazis with with guns mind yes. you mm-hmm. rifles knives chanting horrible mm-hmm. slogans um horrible phrases um and you know i'm just i just kept pressing play on the soundboard to keep the music going um, because like what else is it, what else are you gonna do so yeah and then i for i think a little bit you'll need to take over the story because i was sort of just in this bubble over here but mm-hmm. i know there was a lot going on with our own security team and kind of coordinating yes. and making sure everyone on our side was staying safe um but but truly even though it felt like a long time it was only about 30 minutes yeah. that they were there um and and i like to think we kind of ran them off I, let's go with that okay. i think we did um the the um gosh i i think his name was chris the av person with land grant um 
like turn the speakers towards towards them mm -hmm. and like we just like turned up the music and we were just trying to blast them out as well as like all the community that was there like starting to line the fence mm -hmm. and like block them and then Devin Ayers like mm -hmm. did a, this beautiful performance yeah. of Freedom uh, by Beyonce mm -hmm. and just like brought it was like a bring down the house kind of oh. moment um, and it, it truly, it was like surreal because it did sort of feel like a movie because then the Nazis lost. Yeah. I have chills. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, go on. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it was, it was interesting. I still don't know that I've really processed how I feel about the whole thing, but yeah. Mm. I think the pressing play is a really important part to, because you kept the music going. Yeah. That was a really important job. And <laughs> I don't want to underscore it, mm -hmm. even though it's funny to say, I just got pressing play. Yeah. Um, I think going back to the, the call that morning and, and I even really rewind back to last year, like we started really um, being intentional about safety and security at our events and the organization in a lot of different ways last year for our first, for our pride event. And so this has been on our radar the last several years. Like we, it wasn't a matter of if it's when is this going to happen? And so Especially for, you know, the drag brunch, we, as Jen said, we'd been in contact with our security team. I got a message that morning, um, let our, you know, Jen and our board leadership know, contacted our security person. And um, he did contact uh, police homeland security just to determine if those were credible threats. And at the time it was determined not to be, and they were still on alert. And so, and they got there early um, before it even started to um, check out the perimeter and just make sure things were as they were needed to be. And then as Jen said, we, they did get some Intel that, um, a group was on their way. And, um, and I will say from the moment they had that information, like they were so, and they, I mean, our security safety and security team and the dialogue team with the Columbus police department were so communicative, um, asked me what we wanted, how we wanted things to go. I was very clear around crowd control. That was our biggest concern um, because the truth is the community is tired. We're tired. We're tired of these conversations. We're tired of the legislation, which I know we'll talk about later, but I just, I was so worried about there being this moment where everybody was like, we're not going to take it. And just, and I couldn't handle, my heart couldn't handle someone being harmed on our, you know, our watch and at this event. And, um, yeah, you know, the, I just remember seeing them walk. Apparently they traveled in U-Haul. So I got, they got out of their U-Haul and they were walking in a line. They crossed the street and came right up to the fence and, um, they had a flag, a giant flag with a swastika on it. Um, and as Jen said, they were in matching, um, outfits and they had, face mask on, like um, ski masks and sunglasses, except for one person, the leader. And yeah, the chants were just really disgusting. Um, and and then the moment where people, I don't know where they came from, like in the community, in the crowd, the audience, they stood in front of them, but then they held up blankets and like had tarp. I don't know where those things came from. Maybe they brought them to sit on. Um, but then for the rest of it, until they left, they stood there and held those blankets up so they could not see us, but we couldn't see them. Mm -hmm. And they, what was really, um, I so, remember now they entered, they changed out too. So it wasn't just one or two people. They were like giving each other breaks and things. So you're talking like 
people who came to the event yes. are there, happened to have blankets, yes. and they took it upon themselves. Nobody asked them, nope. right? They just stood up and they were like, this is what we have to do, yeah. right? Yep. That's it was almost as if we had a safety plan or a plan if this right. happens, everybody just jumped into their roles. And I did speak with both um, Anissa and Virginia. I let them know about the potential uh, threat from the morning. And and then when it happened, and I talked to all the performers, but because they were hosting and they even said, how do you want us to lead this? And it was, again, we want everybody to be safe. We want crowd control. We want people to focus. And, and they did just that. They made sure that it was really beautiful because they reminded us who we were as a community of our strengths, our resilience, our beauty, um, the love that was there. So I think that was really key to orient folks back like, hey, this is about us and we get to celebrate. And then I know Virginia changed her song like mid performance. Yeah. She yes. came over and was like, do you have this as me? Mm-hmm. And just like. You know, like, give, me, give me a second. You just press play. Yeah. Your moment. Like you <laughs> got this. Um, but you know, if, if folks are familiar with pride, I think it was 2019, Virginia performed that, uh, before pride kicked off. Um, and it was, it was really moving and it was in front of protesters. And, and so when she did that song, it was performing, like it just, I, that was probably the first time that I had tears in my eyes because it, what it meant and what it felt like, but also like, yeah, this is who we are. And that felt really important. And then as, as Jen said with Devin, I it was so powerful. Mm-hmm. And he had gotten up and stood on like the plant bench thing and fist in the air. He had just had top surgery, you know, last several months. I was took his top off, his shirt off. And it was just this moment of like, no, mm-hmm. we're going to stand for us. We weren't like out there trying to fight against them. It was just, we're going to take a stand for who we are and our safety and our community. And, um, and honestly, well, I'll pause there. Yeah. There's so much. Yeah. I'm so processing no, no, too. So as I'm like, oh wait, this happened. Well. And, and I'm sure others who are there or who have seen this on social media, who've seen it, you know, on the news, mm-hmm. or, you know, cause it's, I mean, it's been covered broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to you, Rachel Maddow yeah. for uh, <laughs> featuring this on her show the other night. But um, I'm sure a lot of folks are also processing yeah. it too. So I think it's fair game for us mm-hmm. to kind of like audibly process this here. But I want to know, and I'm going to ask some questions that I know like probably some other folks in the community have sure. too, um, just to either, you know, help clear the air or just reassure people or just make people feel like, you know, in the know. You you mentioned that you got a call earlier mm-hmm. in the morning saying that there was potential threat, but sure. nothing was confirmed, right? And and once that threat was confirmed and it was kind of like, okay, they'll be here any minute. And even once they arrived, why was there the mentality the show must go on, right? Because there could that could have been unsafe for people yeah. there. And for those who were there, it was still pretty traumatic. Like, why was it we need to keep the show going? Why was that important to you? That's a powerful question. We didn't talk about it. We didn't. <laughs> I mean, I guess for me, it, it it goes back a little bit to like that no and like standing for our community and for us for standing for our young people. Um, you know, again, I I think for me too, a little bit, I was just thinking of like protesters, like, you know, standing with signs or something like that. Yes. Um, so, so, so it was not communicated to you that this particular group of Nazis, it was not just Not like in the their... morning. No, oh, wow. We didn't okay. get that no. in the morning. I don't know that they knew before they, once they knew they were coming that exactly. Yeah. Sure. We, 
I was shocked when I saw what we saw. So I don't know if anybody yeah. knew who was actually. Oh, right. Because I imagine this Nazi group like, and others, they're yeah. not like, you know, sending out press releases. Just so you know, we're right. going to be here. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like they're going to try to be inconspicuous until yeah. they arrive. So I, I know, I, I guess initially for me in the morning, I, I had the sense, one, that it wasn't going to be as elevated of a threat that it turned out to be, but also, um, you know, I was like, it's the morning of, you know, we're out here. We had 500 people register for this mm-hmm. event, you know, like people were coming together in community to support our young people. And that was the most important thing is that like the show goes on for our youth yeah. and, and to support them. So. Yeah, it's interesting because I can't say I ever considered it not happening. Um, I know in the morning we were communicating, you know, our, our leadership, our board leadership was like, great, we're going to keep moving. And um, I think what what we hear people say is like, I'm not afraid we're going to keep doing this. And it wasn't an issue of fear not being present. And I'm fine with saying like, yeah, I felt a lot of fear. Um, I don't know. I never considered it not happening. And even when they said they were coming, I, it, there was never a thought of stopping things. And I, I, that's a really powerful question. I'm probably going to sit with that. And I think there's, there's this balance of making good decisions in, in service of safety. And so um, what do we need to do differently? But I don't know that there's anything by stopping the show, it probably would have caused more chaos mm-hmm. as I'm thinking out loud. If we're like, they're on their way, we're going to stop like imagining what people, how they would have responded. That would have, um, there would have to have been police involved in a different way. Like, I just, I think it probably would have not been a great thing, but there was something really powerful. And I think, um, magical about us still, being there because we do exist and we get to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that there was like an unspoken collective sense of like, we're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And yeah. and that's kind of what they, they, whether it's actual Nazis or even just people who are out here trying to protest what we do, like that's what they want is to instill fear and to, I mean, terrorize really yeah. so that we do cancel these things that we get to a point where we're not holding LGBTQ plus yeah. like events anywhere. And like, that's what they want. Um, and so I think whenever safely possible, mm-hmm. we need to keep, keep doing it and keeping out there and keep being visible. Mm-hmm. When you have a bunch of people there who have, you know, are either newly out of the proverbial closet or have fought to come out and all of our histories and stories. And there is this righteous indignation of like, no, I must cuss. Um, <laughs> no, we're not, we're here. Like that, you know, we're here, we're queer, get used to it from, you know, decades ago, but we're out. We're not going back in the closet. Like we actually get to be here. This is our city. This is our community. Um, these are our partners here. Like, and so I think there was just a lot of that in there that I said, like I said, it was unspoken, but mm-hmm. there was never a sense of ending. Yeah. 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 Well, I also want to know, and you talked about in your, in your response, you said something about like, there would have been the potential for a different sort of police yeah. presence. And that leads me into another curiosity that I have is mm-hmm. you described the community who was there at the event, the patrons, the folks who were coming out to support coming out of nowhere and just holding up these blankets and tarps and like mm-hmm. doing what needed to be done to protect the community that they were in or that they were there to support. And I think a lot of folks have felt like, you know, we protect us as community members, as members of the queer community, trans community, like we know the needs of the community. We show up for us, you know. Mm -hmm. Why was it also important to have a security presence, to have Mm -hmm. a presence from the 
Columbus Police Department dialogue team there? What what did they provide that maybe couldn't have been provided just by people with blankets? That's a great question. Um, first, I want to affirm that it's true that we take care of us. Our community takes care of us. And um, we got to see that on multiple levels, whether it was the the macro of the blankets and the tarp and the, you know, our performers and, you know, but even in the smaller micro moments of people checking in with each other and offering comfort and like all of that happened and, and then some, and it was very much like inside this space. And I think if we ever had to plan something where there was law enforcement, um, this was the best way for it to happen because they were actually like, y'all do your thing. We're going to take care of this out here. And um, and having our, our safety team, which is a queer black owned safety security team here in Columbus, um, actually kind of be almost like a mediator, um, being able to say to law enforcement, like, Hey, like use us. The community is not going to be responsive. If you all say something we want to be able to support in this way. Um, and that's, so there were layers, um, and I think if you look at like concentric circles, you know, you've got the community there, you've got some leadership, you've got the security team, you've got law enforcement, and that's what they're actually supposed to be doing is protecting. Um, and maybe we could find different words for it, but I, I felt like what the dialogue team did is, um, and we can even back up before when, when we got there that morning, there were some cruisers around the external perimeter. So they were already checking just to make sure that there was nothing um, acutely brewing before the event started. And I know they had people posted all around and that's not something that we could have done. Yeah. Right? To be clear, we didn't, we, did, no. we didn't say or interact or mm -hmm. in, in, invite in any way the no. Columbus police department, but just because of the nature of the business we were at and everything else, yeah. like they were just, and there. They, yeah, they showed up based on their intel. Yeah. Um, and it's tricky, right? We know the history of police, law enforcement. We can go all the way back to the beginning. All of that is true. Police brutality is real. I still feel terrified when my Black son is driving his car at night. All of that is true. And they were there on Saturday and I believe helped keep the situation the way that it needed to be. And, and something transparently, I mean, the, the Nazis had AR-15s. We're, we're not armed. We won't ever be armed as Kaleidoscope Youth Center. Um, and, and while there may have been people in the audience who were, um, that's, we don't have to do that. Yeah, we can't do the good guy with a gun. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and and I, I do want to address, because I know some folks said, like, well, we saw the dialogue team talking to them. That's literally their job to dialogue with threats, protesters, disruptors, whatever it is. And yes, I'm aware that they're, um, you know, in 2020, they didn't do their job well. Like, that's very true. And them showing up Saturday takes nothing away and that accountability away from what we expect from our law enforcement. And for them to say, like, we need you all to stay here they stayed there and it's, that's what the dialogue team was there for. And they were so communicative to myself and our board leadership. Every step of the way, they said, what do you want to have happen? How would you like us to handle this? Do you want us here? Like all of those questions and it, it um, I, I wouldn't change a thing. And I know that's a controversial thing to say. Um, and we do appreciate their service 
on that day on April 29th, 2023, I can say that we appreciated the service of Columbus Police Department. And I want them to keep being good to our community. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we'll mm-hmm. we'll call we'll call people out yeah. if they're, you know, whether it's the police or not. Like yeah. we we have a history of that. We have receipts for how you know, to respond <laughs> yeah. um to these situations. So yeah. And I think one thing I want to add too is it is nuanced. You know, as we've already said, there, there's this both and. And I think, you know, being queer, being a queer organization, it, it's like life is really queer. And there's a lot of, th- I mean, there are the non-negotiables, right? And there's the things to be unapologetic about. And as we've already said, all the things that we know that CPD, law enforcement in general are responsible for and should be held accountable for. Yes, yes, yes. We will always promote that. Um, and, you know, we... In such a situation, we are forced to kind of live in that gray, nuanced area of being able to respond. And so, I don't know, I guess we could just put a period there. There's, It's not a endorsement of anything. It's just, it's an appreciation for what happened on Saturday, how they showed up and, and um, how they participated in that community response. And I think what's important is we say the community showed up, yes. And that day, they were part of that larger community. Sure. And there's this quote I was just thinking about around queerness. And this is from Black queer feminist scholar and poet Alexis Pauline Gums. And she says, our definition of queer is that which fundamentally transforms our state of being and the possibilities for life. That which is queer is what does not reproduce the status quo. And I just think about that and all the work that we're doing here as an organization in the community, creating this different world. But this also means in real time, we have to make decisions that don't necessarily support the status quo. They're going to go against what people might be expecting us to do. And this is who we are. And we just get to figure that out and adjust in the best ways that we can find. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you talk about community mm-hmm. showing up, like everyone kind of playing their part. Mm-hmm. What are other ways that the community has continued to show up since mm-hmm. this event happened? Well, I will say we're getting lots of messages of support on social media. I've gotten uh, a lot of personal messages from other leaders in the the community, um, other, you know, just people who care about us as humans, um, which is just a beautiful thing to be witness in a space of trauma and hardship is just something we all need as humans. Um, And then our community has raised uh, about $50,000, maybe just over $50,000. As of this recording, yes. we're at about $54,000. Wow. $54,000, yeah. It, incredible. That's amazing. And that's from, some of that's from a couple of fundraisers. Um, I know, I don't want to shout out the person's name because I'm going to mess it up. Is it Jake? Oh, Jake. Jake? Jake. <laughs> Hi, Jake. Um, last name starts with a B. I don't want to mess up the last name, but I know that Jake started a fundraiser mm-hmm. through social media, um, some other people. And then some folks are ju- just giving to us mm-hmm. through our, our website and other ways. And so um, that's it's it's unbelievable. And it's not mm-hmm. if that makes sense. People mm-hmm. really have supported KYC and held us down for the past almost 30 years. And so a part of this is like, well, of course, these are our people. This is how they show up. This is how we make sure the show goes on. And wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's that's a lot of money in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I also, I think that brings up a good point of like, you know, we have so many people, there is this unbelievable display of support from folks just Mm -hmm. coming out of the woodwork, right? Mm -hmm. And 
it's it's so easy to see that and be like, well, there's so many more people out there who are supportive yeah. than there are people who are going to protest these things. And there are Nazis yeah. in the world, right? And that's mm-hmm. a wonderful thing. But then it's really hard to reckon with the fact there are so many things that are, you know, legislatively demonstrating to the mm-hmm. contrary mm-hmm. that point. Yes. You know what I mean? And I think it's important to point out the fact that like the Nazis who showed up on Saturday, that wasn't just a random occurrence. Mm-hmm. That's not existing in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. That they didn't just like wake up that morning and be you know, I have an idea, right? Yeah. This is like, you know, and, and I, I, I'm not even privy to all of the conversations that are happening. I'm not even like aware of all of the channels and the internet, you know what I mean? I don't want to entangle myself in that, right? But we all know that these um, systems exist online and elsewhere where, you know, these people are festering these hateful and and Mm -hmm. just extreme ideas right Mm -hmm. and when we talk about how that affects us here because the group who did come here Mm -hmm. they weren't from ohio right and in some Mm -hmm. to some extent that's reassuring right (laughs) but we also know that that extremism lives here in ohio as well and while the vast majority of people support queer and trans folks especially queer and trans youth like the legislation still is having an impact whether or not it gets passed. So um, for those of you who have or haven't been paying attention to the legislation going on, it again, it is okay if you're just tuning it out because you got to, yeah, you got to have some sort of self-preservation. You can't mm-hmm. just like keep taking in all of this. Um, but the three main bills right now are House Bill, they made it really easy, right? It's House Bill 6, House Bill 8, and House Bill 68. So when in doubt, some combination of those things. What House Bill 86 will be is yet to right. be right. Yeah, no, no. Um, House Bill 6, as a reminder, is the transgender athlete ban. House Bill 8 is the bill, we haven't really talked about it much on this podcast because mm-hmm. it's only recently kind of taken more of a... Um, a darker turn, if you will. Um, But House Bill 8 would impact the way schools are allowed to, um, or what they're required, rather, to report Mm -hmm. to parents. It's referred to as the Parents' Bill of Rights, but um, really what it would do is cause students more harm. Um, It would require schools to basically out students to their parents, to their families, um, or share any other sort of change in the student's mental or physical well-being, even if doing so could lead to abuse or neglect or other harm, mm-hmm. um, ab- abuse, abandonment, and neglect. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I mean, that's huge, right? And we can unpack yeah. that. And it also would require schools to notify parents um, if sexually explicit materials are being taught. And you can't see this if you're listening to a podcast, but I'm I'm uh, making air quotes, yeah. right? Because sexually explicit materials could be, we're teaching sex ed. And like, that's mm-hmm. already a policy that people can opt out of sex ed or, you know, whatever is being taught. Right. But not that our sex ed is super robust, but that's a whole other conversation, (laughs) right? Another podcast. Um, Next episode. No, but uh, that could also mean like, it's so broad that like, if there's a queer teacher talking about their spouse who happens to be, you know, if this is a lesbian couple, gay couple, whatever, that could be construed as sexually explicit and could, you know, get people. For some reason. Exactly. (laughs) So, so that's house bill eight. And then House Bill 68 is the gender affirming care ban, um, which would prohibit the, you know, gender affirming care for minors under the age of 18. So House Bill 6 has made the furthest progress legislative, legislatively, if you will. It was starred for a possible vote this week, but it actually didn't end up happening mm-hmm. in committee. So that was a, a, a win. I'm not yeah. going to call it a complete victory because that doesn't mean it's like completely off the table. But for the time being, for now, yeah, for now, that didn't get pushed forward this week. 
House Bill 8 has had proponent testimony, which means opponent testimony in committee is coming up. We don't know when, right? We're just kind of on standby for Mm -hmm. these things. And then House Bill 68, again, has had proponent testimony and we're on standby. Maybe later this month we'll have Mm -hmm. opponent testimony. Um, And so- you know, we we encourage folks to to reach out and to mm-hmm. contact their legislators. I mean, you can find all that information on uh, kycohio.org/advocacy. Um, but we also know that like the proponents who come in, they're, they're pretty radical folks, right? Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's not like you know some average Joe from down the street who's like, oh, this is a problem. It's like the things people are saying. It's it's pretty radical stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I mean, I have lots of problems with all of that that proposed legislation, but the two main things for me, one is they're creating problems that actually don't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, A parent's rights bill is not even necessary. Um, Schools already have their, um, how they have to communicate. And then, you know, social workers, counselors, mental health professionals have a code of ethics in which things need to be reported to parents. And so all the things that they're saying wouldn't be allowed, like it's, it's not happening that way, mm-hmm. you know? And so for me as a social worker, if I'm talking to a young person and they disclose something around that could be harmful to themselves or to others, I have to let their parent or guardian know. I can't make referrals to any medical providers without their parent or guardian. All the things they're saying that were going to happen, it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with, you know, the, the trans athletes, like there are actually bodies here in the state of Ohio and nationally that um, regulate for better, Lack of a better word, but have structures in place for things to happen when they need to happen. And so, and then gender affirming care, it's, and this is where the other piece gets me is it's so cruelly focused on trans and binary communities. It's not, and they're not hiding it either, but we all engage in gender affirming care on different levels. And so to ban it, like they don't want to ban it for everyone. And so when you look at the fact that it's centering a very specific community and a very specific part of the community, we can name it as discrimination because that's exactly the example of discrimination, the definition of it. Um, and and so I imagine this is where you were going. Stop me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, we love how the community has responded both in person in real time and the donations and the messages like that is gold. And that's what allows us to wake up every day and come back here. And we need that same level of rage and, and inspiration for activism and advocacy to happen every day. Because, you know, and as we said in our statement, what we experienced on Saturday was just a small, teeny tiny window into what our young folks experience at home sometimes, at school, in the community, and literally at our state house, which is minutes away from here. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we need folks to take that same level of um, the not on my watch and the the protection and like we need to combat this legislation and we need to say this is not who we are as a state and you all don't represent us as a electorate um, and I th- I think you know when we talk about all the we tell our youth that there's people who care about you and they can see it but this is this is a bigger and great way to share that on an ongoing basis that we really are here for them and we want something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one thing to and and again, we so appreciate yeah. it. It's like one thing to like, you know, open up a GoFundMe or whatever and like, you know, do that quickly on your phone. But like in the same amount of time that it takes to enter your credit yeah. card information, you can send off an email to one of these legislators. Yeah. You can make a quick phone call. I I know I did it two days ago. I think mm-hmm. it was Tuesday. Gosh, um, time is fake. I did that two days ago. It maybe took me 10 minutes yeah, to call yeah. 
a couple members of the committee. Mm -hmm. And I talked to staff members. They were friendly. I left a voicemail. So if you're someone who's like, I hate talking on the phone, Mm -hmm. I get it. I also don't like talking Mm -hmm. on the phone. You can leave a voicemail. You can send an email. And it takes just as long as it probably took you to enter your credit card info, you know? Yeah. And this isn't, and this is for everyone, but even for our community leadership who has condemned the protest and or condemned the Nazis' arrival and have offered us support, like we need them to speak up Mm -hmm. as well. Um, to say like, this is not okay. And to really take a step to to be that non-negotiable stand and to protect our young people and their futures. Like this is this all hands on deck moment where, yes, this is beautiful. And guess what? This is also happening every single day. This, th- It's not normal what happened by any means. And well, there's it's, more. Well, it's remarkable to me because, and I'm not going to remember the, the person who said it. And I wish I had looked up his name before. Um, recording this, but somebody who spoke out against House Bill 6 during testimony last week said something along the lines of like, you know, if you're looking at this legislation and realizing that Mm. actual literal Nazis are supporting it, that should make you stop and reflect on like, oh, is this a good thing that we're introducing if you have Nazis endorsing it? (laughs) And then what, 76 hours later, Mm. we have Nazis at our drag brunch. And like, it's, I mean, I hate to say I wasn't surprised when I saw that that had happened, Mm -hmm. but I was like, yeah, I mean, if you are out here like saying these things that they believe, then they, that gives them the green light to go ahead and show up, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like you said, we need all hands on deck to condemn this behavior. And, and again, to just continue to reiterate that there are so many more people out there who are supportive than there are the small faction of people who had to be you hauled in from from <laughs> yeah. another state, you know. So, and I think it's important too, is because they try to with the bills legislation say they're protecting children and youth, and like it does zero, z- less than zero, negative mm-hmm. impact on. They're not trying to protect youth, and I, I think we can even say that with the disruption on Saturday, there was nothing about young people. They were the things they were saying were very targeted and very cruel. Um, racist, homophobic, transphobic to the people that were present. And if I had a young child or that heard that, I would be fearful for what they were hearing. Right. Right. The things they were saying. And so it's, it's not about you. They don't care. Right. At all. Right. It's, it's all a facade because yeah, if they, if they cared about young people, it should be all young people, Mm -hmm. not just, you know, the ones who look and think and act the way they want them to. And parents' rights should extend to all parents and guardians. And so even those um, whose opinion you don't agree with, um, even those who are supporting their trans non-binary child, like parents' rights get to be parents' rights. And I think that's a really important piece to to look at how people are having these conversations and saying they care and trying to do things for people they don't, that don't need to be done. Um, it's just, it's blatant discrimination. And I think the more that we can name it as that and lift that up, I'm hoping more people will be like, yes, that's wrong because we don't support that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So before we wrap up, um, I want to think ahead to the next yeah. you know month or so, right? Because as we're recording this, it's the first week of May, but Pride Month is <laughs> rapidly approaching, right? And last night we had a meeting of our Queer Advocacy Coalition and we had somebody ask, um, what, you know, how they're feeling going into Pride Month, because mm-hmm. Pride is often seen now, I guess, as a celebration, right? You know, you get to wear the rainbow outfits, go hang out, listen to good music, mm-hmm. whatever. But this person was also grappling with, you know, the need for Pride to continue to be a protest, you know, mm-hmm. especially now. 
And people kind of offered some feedback and like, how should we approach Pride? And like, how are we feeling going into it? Are we feeling safe? Do we feel like we can go out and celebrate Pride? Can we, you know, in whatever capacity that means for you? Um, So I guess I just want to like get your thoughts on that and then maybe hear a little bit more about like, what is KYC doing to Mm -hmm. make sure that we're as safe as we can be at our events? I mean, I I think first and foremost that people should do what feels safe to them. And so maybe for them, that means not participating in, in, in pride events and that's okay. That's totally Mm -hmm. okay. Um, for, for me though, I, I think it's still important to, um, be out there and yeah, let's, let's party, let's celebrate, let's, you know, dance joyfully in the streets for everybody to see, because again, it goes back to kind of our earlier conversation of like, this is what they want is to silence us and our community and put us, all of us, ultimately all of us back into a closet and pretend like we don't exist. And no, right. Mm -hmm. Like that's how I'm like, no, we're not going to do that. Um, We're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, I I think it's important too, that we know we can't guarantee anyone's safety. Um, well, not even our own, right? That's a whole different artist, but we can't guarantee or promise that. And, you know, we're intentional even in our language to say safer spaces. KYC is a safer space. Um, and so we, like I said, last, you know, last year we started really looking at safety a different way. We're prepared this year to promote safety um, and all of our events, you know, moving forward. And we already have it over the past year. And so um, I would, you know, to me, queer joy, queer and trans joy is a form of resistance and protest. And there's no right or wrong way to protest. Everyone gets it figured out for themselves. This is another example of that both. And yes, you get to celebrate and be out and proud for those of us who can do that in a safer way. Like we get to do that. For some people, they don't have the privilege of that. And that's, we know that. And that's for those of us who can and get to, we get to do it for the, and to fill those spaces. And so um, we do want people to come to our pride celebration and to our events. And, you know, we can guarantee we're doing all we can to promote safety and security um, and a lot of different levels. And please make the best decisions for yourself and your family. Mm-hmm. That's, we're always going to default to that. And we say that to our team here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the events of this weekend were the perfect example of how celebration is mm-hmm. a form of protest. Absolutely. And and don't feel like you like we just went on that whole conversation about like needing to reach out to legislators yeah. and fight back that way, but like also understand especially for queer folks out there who are listening to this, especially for queer youth listening to this, you can also feel like you don't have to lift a finger during the entire yeah. month of June, except to like, you know, head to some celebration that you can attend, yeah. you know, even if that celebration is like sitting in your basement with a couple friends watching a, you know, queer movie or TV yeah. show or whatever, even if that's going mm-hmm. to the library and getting some queer mm-hmm. books to read, you know, it's like, yeah. there's so many ways that that is resistance mm-hmm. to by reading those books that they don't want you to read. Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. that's resistance, that's activism too. So like, don't feel like, oh my gosh, I have to sacrifice, you know, going to a pride parade yeah. in order to, yeah, you know, yeah. go stand outside the state house, right? You could do both, just do it on different days. So you get to experience yeah, both things. Or maybe you know? it's a quiet conversation with yourself in the mirror in the bathroom and saying how fierce you are. Mm-hmm. You paint your toenails and nobody else can see, but you know mm-hmm. that you are being who you are. And there's so many levels to that. We want a world where 
people can don't have to ask for permission to exist, right? And that doesn't exist quite now. So yeah, there's so many ways to celebrate. Makes me feel like we should oh, do a top 10. We should, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking like, you know, all those little actions add up to bigger and bigger yeah. movements. And, and, you know, with, with the recent donations we've gotten, like mm-hmm. we've gotten ones that are like $2, $5, yes. like all these little amounts, but they all add up to like over mm. 50, yeah, over 50,000. So together, all of the little things add up to something big. Mm-hmm. Just such a great example of how, you know, back to that, we're so interdependent on each other and we are a, a like collective and community, like what it actually means. There's nothing that's too small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm even thinking about the library thing now because like, <laughs> you know, I'm a bookish person. So of course I'm like libraries. Yes. But that doesn't cost you anything to go to the library and check out some books and read them. And so that way when like, you know, book bans, other legislation like that, like that is a very small step that you can take. And plus Mm -hmm. it's fun. You get to read these books, but like, then there's numbers to back that up. Like, no, like people are checking these books out. They're reading them. You know what I mean? I I don't know. I think it's cool. I like that analogy Mm -hmm. of every small Mm -hmm. amount. It's a great movement. Yeah. to action. Just check out books. Yeah. 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 Go having fun is yeah. <laughs> having fun isn't hard when you have a library card, am I right? <laughs> our um, next bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's fully attributed to to Arthur. Um well yeah, I, I just want to thank you both for for being here yeah. on Speaking Queerly and for talking about this. I know I hate making you have to relive Saturday over and over again, but I think we can all um, you know, take uh something away from like the the joy and the community that's come out of yeah. this too and just the the collective resistance as we've said so hopefully we can all walk away with it feeling like okay there's definitely more people out there who are supportive of yeah us and the queer community yeah and I, I think it's important that we talk I'm glad we're talking about this I think it can't be business as usual um I know that we in some ways, I think get a little desensitized to it because we have to. We can't respond to everything that's happening and all the mean and hateful things people say. Um, and we are not wired as humans to have Nazis at our backs with AR-15s and knives shouting slurs, homophobic, transphobic, racist slurs and epithets. And that's not normal. Mm-hmm. And our bodies, our systems, our brains are not wired to receive that and then just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of this conversation is important to demonstrate. Like, we get to talk about it. We get to process it. We get to find care, collective care, and we get to care for ourselves and find moments of joy. And all of that is okay. And I think it's some of the queerest things that we can do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, if you're someone who's listening and enjoyed this episode, or maybe you want to share it with a friend, yeah. please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, share this with a friend, share it with a family member to help raise awareness, maybe uh, combat some of the you know misinformation that's been mm-hmm. shared via telephone, the mm-hmm. literal yeah. or metaphorical telephone. Um, and if you're somebody who's like, oh, man, I really want to support the work that KYC is doing, um, you could visit kycohio.org slash donate. Uh, you can make a one-time contribution. You could join our uh, unity circle. There's lots of ways Mm -hmm. that you can uh, give back to KYC. Um, And then as always, check out our social media. We're at KYC Ohio on all social media platforms. You can stay up to date with things that are happening legislatively, things that are happening here at the center. Um, You know, just have a little queer joy on your feed right Mm -hmm. there. Mm And if you have any topics for uh, future episodes or if you have a question you want us to address, um, email Mallory at KYCOhio.org and we'll be sure to feature that on a future episode. So thank you both for being on and we look forward to talking to you next time.